We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? I'm Tucker Franklin, and that is one-third of the KC Laboratory, Matt Lane. And this is KCSN Update, our daily podcast and video from us here at Kansas City Sports Network, presented by our friends at DraftKings. We're keeping you up to date on all things Kansas City Chiefs today. We appreciate you hanging out with us, and please hit that like and subscribe button if you are on YouTube, and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast at, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I know there's a ton out there. Spotify. Just search KCSN, and we don't just have Chiefs either. That's the best part. We've got Mizzou, we got K State, we got KU, and we've even got podcasts covering the NWSL, the MLS. We're all over the place. So we're covering all of everything in the in the Kansas City area. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? This is the first time I believe we've talked since the new year. How is your new year going? You know, it it's going. Um, it's it's been a, it's been a start to a new year. You know, you get the new year hits. You're in the middle of winter. Things aren't always the best, and everyone you know everyone knows what happened the other night. And like football is such a big part of our life. So just watching something like that happen and unfold, and it really, I don't want to say put stuff into perspective as if it's if it's anything's lost, but it's just what can happen. And you know, people that are playing the game are in fact people, and just so many things are bigger than this sport and game that we all spend so much time on right now. So it's just, it's kind of like a, it was a a somber way, I guess, to kind of start getting into getting into the new year. And like, so I'm riding high, the chiefs are winning the frogs making the national title game. We're riding high. And then that happened. And so, you know, just been a little bit of a reset here to start the year. Tuck. It has been, it was, uh, I think sobering is a good word uh, to describe the, the situation, the DeMar Hamlin situation. We got good news. We're going to share that good news that we got uh, earlier uh, this morning by the time we're recording this podcast on, on Thursday uh, from the Buffalo Bills, from Kair Elam, uh, from a bunch of different sources about um, DeMar Hamlin. So I think that that's, that's very positive, but it has been one of those, uh, one of those starts to the year that is, it's been gloomy in Kansas City, haven't really seen the sun very much, and that doesn't also help. 
Uh, but let's talk about the the statement the Buffalo Bills uh, released uh, on Thursday morning at 9.28 a.m. For the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love and support we have received. Also, piggybacking off of that, Kair Elam at 9.20 a.m. This was just eight minutes before the statement from the Buffalo Bills. Rookie corner uh, Kair Elam said, Our boy is doing better, awake, and showing more signs of improvement. Thank you, God. Keep the prayers coming. All love three. So very good signs that we are getting from uh, everyone close to Kair Elam. His agency released a statement as well along the same lines. Uh, so, Maddie, what are your first reactions to, to seeing those statements and, and hearing those statements as well? I mean, it it's awesome to hear. I mean, it's absolutely uh, not perfect, but like, this is what you want. Given the the gravity of the situation, given what the injury is and what little medical knowledge, you know, I have gained over everything during this period of time. This is about, you know, as good news as you can hope for over this short period of time, given how intense and how bad everything could have potentially been. So this is, this is all great news. This is all good stuff. You know, fingers crossed, keep praying that things continue to get better, that he continues and he can get back to, you know, exactly the same person that he was before. So this little bit of good news here, while everybody is obviously still trying to figure out how they feel, what to think of the whole thing, it's nice that it is coming. It's nice that things are progressing this way on a relatively quick timeline, given the type of injury and, you know, health issues that are possible here. Absolutely. And I think that that was kind of one of the things, too, is that news was trickling in very slow on Monday. And that was one of the things that was very uh, worrying is that how uh, news was trickling in. But anyone knows with um, I don't want to sick. I don't want to call it an injury with it with a condition like this. Things do happen slow. Things things develop slow. And I, and I thought what was really a. Uh, it was really cool. Adam Schefter had tweeted out that DeMar Hamlin's father, Mario Hamlin, addressed the entire Bills team on a Zoom call on Wednesday to personally update everyone in attendance on his son. This is per a source that Adam Schefter has. Uh, Mario Hamlin informed the Bills that DeMar is making progress. And in the words of one source, quote, the team needed it. Um, so good to see that uh, some developments, some positive developments, uh, some good news, um, especially after such a tragedy um, that happened. So, Glad we can start the show on some good news. It feels like a lot of our shows have started on a, on a somber note this week, um, just with with everything that's happened, as they should. Um, still keeping Demar Hamlin in our thoughts and prayers. But Maddie, I've got a question uh, that I want to ask you that I've been thinking about since uh, since uh -oh. the Chiefs made this move. Yeah, uh oh is right. The Chiefs made a move on uh, you know Wednesday. They made it. They took it down to the wire. Uh, McCole Hardman activated at I believe it was like two thirty eight. So they had a less than 30 minutes to make a decision if they were going to activate um, McCole Hardman or not from the injured reserve to make him eligible for the playoffs because they did activate that 21-day practice window. If he was not eligible to be activated, if he wasn't able to be activated, he had to go back on the IR, and if, essentially ending his season. Um, so they had to make that decision by 3 p.m. Central time, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time on Wednesday. They made that decision. He's active. Chiefs cut Jerron Christian. Um, another uh, tackle. Shame. I know. Uh, but, Maddie, I want to ask you this question. How does McCole Hardman change this offense? Um. Okay. He makes it better in the red zone. Like, 100% 
McCole Hardman, who is not necessarily a red zone receiver. He's not a guy that creates instant separation. He's not a guy that wins at the catch point. And somehow outside of Travis Kelsey, he might be their most important, you know, receiving weapon in the red zone. It's maybe him and Jarek McKinnon are, you know, two and three in terms of the Chiefs red zone targets. And it's simply for the jet motion stuff, just how natural he is running these jet motions, how many different ways the Chiefs have found a way to get the ball in his hands, whether off a handoff, whether off a little pop pass, whatever it is, they have found a way to utilize McCole Hardman very well in the red zone. And even more importantly, he has he has the respect of the opposing defense on those plays. In his absence, we've seen the Chiefs try to use Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore in that same type of role in the red zone. And Tony's had some success. He's gotten in the end zone twice now. But we remember on that first touchdown that he was just completely left alone. The defense didn't care that he was running over there. Now, that's obviously a coverage breakdown, but you don't see that happening with McCall Hardman. There is multiple guys that see number 17 going in motion on that play, and they have their eyes on him. Kadarius Tony gets completely lost doing that. He gets his first touchdown. The second one, you know, later in the year, once he's returned from injury, was a nice play by him. I don't get me wrong. And then Sky Moore just they Chiefs don't like to give the ball to him as much on these plays. And just this jet motion concept, McCole Hardman means so much to their red zone offense. And this is a phrase that I never could have imagined that I would say coming into this year, because again, he doesn't create instant separation versus man coverage. He doesn't go win at the catch point. Like that's not in his game, but yet somehow he's very vital to the Chiefs red zone success. It's, it's quite, it's quite flummoxing. That's a very good word, by the way. That's a, that's a, I'm very impressed by that word. I'm gonna have to Google that after this. Uh, I do think what's what's really interesting about McCole Hardman, and, and you brought it up too. What does this now open up for Kadarius Tony? Because we've only seen Kadarius Tony without McCole Hardman. So does this mean they can do different things with McCole Hardman or with with Kadarius Tony or McCole Hardman? I still want to see McCole Hardman running those jets, as you mentioned in the red zone. He is a red zone threat. I believe he's third on the touchdown or third third on the team in touchdowns, and he hasn't played since like week four it feels like i know it's been probably later than that but it feels like yeah we haven't seen mccall harman in a long time um so i am excited to see what he can do on the field i i think i'm i'm a little more excited about sky more we got to see him incorporated in the offense a little bit more here before that hand laceration they were giving him on the screen passes and i tweeted out sky more in space is fun i can so see that guy get in some into some space and, and his shiftiness and, and use that is is going to be interesting but i am curious to see how all three of those guys kind of help evolve this offense, right? Because I don't think that one role is necessarily going to dominate the other, right? Cole Hardman might come in and get a little bit more snaps. He might take some snaps away from, from Sky Moore, but I still think that Sky Moore, we've seen it a few times already this season where Sky Moore has come up in big situations for the Chiefs, uh, you know, on third downs, different, different route concepts, stuff like that to get big plays. Um, so I'm really curious to see if Andy can scheme up a little bit more with, with guys like this in the offense and, and see if they can get more guys open, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so the big thing with Sky Moore was as his role started to ramp up, it, it was without McCole Hardman, but it was yeah. Kadarius Tony had essentially taken over that McCole Hardman role there for a little bit. And Sky, and then also you had the Juju Smith-Schuster injury, so like it opened up what we're going to call a real wide receiver position and then the gadget wide receiver position was taken over by somebody else. And that's when Sky Moore started to ramp up his production a little bit. 
Then once you lost Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster came back, those flipped. Now all of a sudden you needed a gadget role receiver and you didn't really need a real you know, wide receiver on the field at all times. And that's when we saw Sky more snap count, usage, production, all backslide all the way back until this last week in which it looked like they did try to incorporate him more. Now it wasn't all vertical routes. It wasn't all, you know, what we're going to classify as real, a real route tree. There was a couple screens behind the line of scrimmage and stuff, but they did run him on routes. They did try to get him downfield. They had the one seam route that if Mahomes puts out in front, he probably scores his, you know, a 60 yard touchdown on. It's just thrown way behind them and low. And so they are incorporating him more. I think getting Hardman back only helps that because now you have two guys that the chiefs would prefer. in that gadget wide receiver role, you have Hardman and then Tony that can go into that role. And that really means that Sky Moore does not need to play there. They don't need to send him on jet motions. They don't need to fake handoffs to him behind the line of scrimmage. Not that he's bad at it. Like we've seen him run with the ball in his hands and he's pretty good with it. It's just, they don't want to put him there. So he can go back to just playing a traditional wide receiver spot. And I think with Hardman back, that opens it up for Tony as well. Pick out the three best catches or plays by a Chiefs wide receiver this year, and two of them are going to be Kadarius' Tony's ball skills, you know, going up and elevating along the sideline to catch a football, right? So why not play him at wide receiver more than this gadget role? So I just think Hardman coming back opens up these other guys that the Chiefs, that Chiefs fans want to see on the field to play a more traditional receiving role, maybe get a larger part of the downfield passing offense that they can't currently do because the Chiefs offense needs that. The Chiefs offense needs the misdirection, the jet motion guy, and there's only so many routes you can run off of it that make sense. And yeah, they put Sky Moore in motion and then run a wheel route up the sideline, but when Patrick Sertan sees it and picks it up, okay, it's dead, right? It's just over. Mm -hmm. There's only so many things you can do. So getting McCole Hardman back in that role, opening up other spots, Hopefully it leads to the Chiefs offense being more dynamic with more speed out there. I want to talk a little schematics to what the Chiefs have faced uh, on offense a little bit. I had a good conversation with Brett Coleman on Monday kind of about the quarter-quarter half defense that teams have been running against the Chiefs. How they've had some success against it. Um, how he made, I thought it was funny, Brett said, you know, the front, you just, just run the ball, man. Just run the ball and they, they got to get out of it. Uh, it seems like that's all the, that the Chiefs have to do. Uh, but I'm curious... Does this change? Does McCall Hartman coming back change how teams will play uh, the Chiefs defensively? Will they go back to a little bit more main coverage or they stick in that quarter, quarter half? What do you think, Matty? It's hard to say. I don't think that McCall Hardman pulls a lot of attention from opposing defenses when he's running a route. I, yeah. I don't mean that as like a knock on him. I just don't think that when he's lines up out wide or in the slot, I think the one thing teams think about is, hey, is he going to catch a screen pass? If not, he's probably going to run vertical and, you know, he will break off some routes and run a nice out route. He will run a good comeback from time to time. It's just not anywhere close to consistent enough, I think, to really strike fear in teams. So I don't think their coverage shells are going to change that much based on whether McCole Hardman is out there or not. What we've seen is the years going on, teams have gotten more aggressive at taking away the intermediate areas of the field. Like teams are doing the opposite of last year and trying to force Kansas city to throw the ball downfield because they've been relatively poor at it. Does McCall Hardman's speed change that? It's possible. It's possible. You see a little bit more deeper safety play. It's possible. You don't see guys like MVS getting behind every defender by five yards before the ball's thrown. Like you, you know, like last year that never would have happened, whether it was Hardman, whether it was Hill or anybody defenses weren't allowing it. This year, they seem okay with allowing that to take away the 15-yard out route or the 15-yard crossing route. So does McCole Hardman's speed change that? I 
can't say for certain right now because that's just really not been his role this year. Outside of that, was it the first Chargers game? He hasn't been really used that well as a vertical receiver. So I don't know what kind of attention defenses are going to give him. And I think that's yeah. probably a good reason to get him back before the playoffs start so the Chiefs can figure that out. Absolutely. Looking at our friends at DraftKings, they have the Chiefs as nine-point favorites. McCole Hardman, anytime touchdown score, plus 260. So if you're feeling like a big game from McCole Hardman is on the way, go ahead and run on over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Go ahead and place uh, some of those bets right there. I think it's a very interesting question to ask ourselves going into the playoffs. We haven't seen McCole Hardman in a while. I'm sure uh, getting back from injury is going uh, – is go, it's a good team to face the Raiders before the playoffs because I don't I think the Raiders are sneaky. Uh, Maddie, we'll talk a little bit more about that. If you want our full conversation, make sure to go check that link up in the upper right hand corner. Maddie and I are going to keep talking about this Raiders and Chiefs matchup, but I've got to tell you before we get going about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, Maddie, it's our favorite time of year. It's college football, the fans, the tradition, the glory. Let's go. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. My go-to for sports betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, as you guys know, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. National Championship, we got the Frogs. We've got the Dogs. I'm rolling with the Frogs. Maddie's rolling with the Frogs. You have to roll with the underdog in this situation. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Good deal from them there. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for bigger payouts with DraftKings' same-game parlays. You can do those anytime touchdown scores, those spreads, those over-unders. Combine them all. The app is great. The app is has a wonderful experience with live bets. Pre-game bets, they're all great. Here's what you got to do. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use code KCSN. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, Maddie and I will talk a little bit more about this Chiefs and Raiders matchup. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back. I'm Tucker Franklin. Matt Lane joining me today for today's KCS and update. We're talking Chiefs. We're talking Raiders. Matty, I want to get off the top expectations for this game against the Raiders. Raiders coming off a game that was narrowly losing to the uh, vaunted San Francisco 49ers. A 49ers team that looks like an absolute wagon, as I said, on outside the trenches. I I, want to know what your expectations are. Uh, That... The Raiders don't have anything to play for anymore. Um, They are starting Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, and it's a defense that has not been very good this year. So it's going to be super close based on all of those things and the way the Chiefs like to play football games. Um, You know, it shouldn't be. The Chiefs will find a way, I think, to make it interesting because they like to play up and down their level of competition. They're not going to be trying to show everything they have in their arsenal. But I do think I've been very adamant about this the last few weeks. Andy Reid's very particular. He's doing stuff these last few weeks that he wants to perfect, that he wants to show, that he wants to see going into the playoffs. There are going to be parts of this game plan that you are going to see in the playoffs, not the whole thing. You're not going to get Andy, you know, unloading the clip right before the playoffs, especially when they are, you know, hoping to get potentially be in this one seed by week, you know, race. But what he is going to do is he's going to find a couple things. Last week, I think we saw them hone in a little bit on the vertical passing attack. Wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. Wouldn't be surprised to see a few more double moves and got trying to get guys open downfield. And then the heavy personnel package, same thing last week. Since Blake Bell's been back, a lot more 13 personnel than you normally would expect from the Chiefs over the past few years. I think you're going to keep seeing things like that because the Chiefs want to be good at them going into the playoffs or at least have that as an option once the playoffs hit. I do think the 13 personnel is incredibly interesting. We talk about this a lot. I bring it up all the time. It's one of the things that Matt Castle and I talk a lot about, even when we're watching the film before uh, the breakdown starts. The 13 personnel that the Kansas City Chiefs have is so different than any 13 personnel that any other team across the league runs. You see three tight ends on the field. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, halfback dive. This is going to be right down our throats. They're trying to run the ball right at us. That's not what the Chiefs are doing. The Chiefs are sending Jody Fortson on a jet sweep motion. They're sending Noah Gray on a on a fake tunnel. They're sending Travis Kelsey on a deep post or on a on a deep crosser. It's it's wild oh, what they guess can what? do. Guess what? You forgot about Blake Bell settling down at 15 yards yes. for a touchdown, baby. Yeah. So it's it's crazy what they can do in these in these situations with the 13 personnel. And I do think that the versatility there is is incredible. I do want to see the Chiefs get under center, run the ball a little bit more in those in those gap schemes, but. Literally, we've been talking about that for probably, what, five, six years now? So, I mean, uh, something that we're probably not going to see, something that I would like to see the Chiefs get uh, into is is just running the ball down the Raiders' throats. I want to see that happen. I want to see just heavy running game from, I don't care if it's Jarek McKinnon, Ronald Jones, or Isaiah Pacheco. I just want to see him run the ball on some designed runs. I know we get to see some Patrick Mahomes a little bit in this scrambling, and Patrick Mahomes, great scrambling quarterback, underrated scrambling quarterback. Um, but I want to see some designed runs there a little bit more. So my expectations kind of for this game, I just want to see the Chiefs win, right? They're nine-point favorites, according to uh, our friends at DraftKings. Do I think they'll cover? Probably not. 
Um, if your expectation going into this game is that the Chiefs win but don't cover, I think that that's a pretty decent expectation to have because that seems like what they've been doing. I will, sans sans the the Seahawks game because they covered against the Seahawks, which that game was weird because they didn't feel like they were going to cover that game, but then they ended up covering that game. That was that was very weird. Um, sans that game, the Chiefs have not played very well against lesser competition, and I'm curious if that hinders them going into the playoffs. I don't know. I don't I don't think the lesser competition part I mean, it really matters. I mean, if you have a team that's constantly playing to their opponent's level in the playoffs, you assume they're going to play better teams, yada, yada. They'll, you know, they play better than it's like, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't know how like the ultimate score is going to play on this game. I have a slight feeling that the chiefs might come out and put together. A, I don't want to say like this perfect game, but they might come out with not an edge, not a chip, but they just, I feel like they might execute well. They might just come out in this one. Mm. They might give you the first quarter and things, everything's just clicking. And then you're going to get the patent Andy Reed foot off the gas. And I don't know what the Raiders are playing for other than to be a divisional rival. But when you're doing it with so many, you know, with some backup pieces, how is everybody feeling about the Derek Carr situation and the future of this team going forward? I don't know how much fight there's going to be there. If they do fall down 20 points early in this game, how much fight is there? Will the Chiefs coasting allow them to cover or will the you know Raiders claw back a little bit, make it closer yeah. than it was for the most of the game? Like that's kind of what my expectation is, is the Chiefs to jump out. And it's just how do they handle that once they're there, especially with the playoffs looming? I, I wouldn't expect them to go for like full on and try to put this game away early or anything like that. The Raiders do seem like a team that is... Uh... I say oddly motivated, right? Uh, they do have that coaching staff sticking around just because they can't fire them uh, because they don't have enough money to buy out their contracts. So like that coaching staff is going to be there. They do at least on the surface have a little bit more to play for than the Broncos did. The Broncos team, that Broncos team looked inspired uh, probably just because they were in it, right? Uh, the Chiefs kept them in that game. So the Broncos looked a little bit more inspired in that situation. Um, but I do think that the Jared Stidham situation is fascinating. Like uh, he looked like prime Patrick Mahomes, I guess. I don't know. Uh, prime Tom Brady uh, because he was in the same system as the Josh McDaniel system in New England as he is here in Vegas. It was it was bizarre to see Jared Stidham go out and, and ball like he did the former Auburn Tiger. Um, I, I don't know, Matty. Are, are you worried about Jared Stidham? Does Jared Stidham scare you at all? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, it, I've seen enough Jarrett Stidham from college days to a little bit with New England. The Chiefs have actually played Jarrett Stidham in Josh yeah. McDaniel's system. Um, it didn't go particularly well. Oh, no, we're gone. Uh, but so I'm not too worried. Not too worried about what Stidham has. Not too worried about how the Chiefs will approach it. It's it's more so if the Chiefs come out and they get into third and longs and then give the Oakland or the, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders an easy out by committing penalties or leaving guys wide open. And then offensively, if they go out there and they can't convert third downs and stay on the field, just the same situational football stuff that has been plaguing the Chiefs versus these lesser teams throughout the back half of the year, bad situational football. They have controlled everything between the 20s, not an important situation, not outside of the red zone. And then when you put it into not third downs, they have been by far and away the better team every matchup they've played. They've just been so bad at turning the ball over, converting third downs, and stopping specifically third and longs and then the red zone stuff. They've been so bad situationally that it's allowed bad teams to stick around. And then all of a sudden, Chiefs make a mistake, bad team scores, and now the game looks close. So can the Raiders do that? Yes. 
For all the praise, though, that Jared Stidham got last week, I mean, he, he still threw two interceptions. He still fumbled the ball. They, yes, the Raiders recovered it. But, like, you know, he's going to give the ball away. That's what, that's what Jared Stidham does. So, like, I don't know. I don't think the game concerns me. I just hope the Chiefs play a little bit better situationally throughout the whole thing so I don't have to have these same thoughts once they start playing better teams in the playoffs. I think when that game was going on, uh, I tweeted something out like, uh, who knew that Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham would be the next Manning Brady? Um here we are, though, uh, with with that whole uh, ordeal. So, uh, Maddie, a few more questions before I let you go. I, you talked about kind of situationally, and I think that that's kind of the answer to this question. But uh, what areas do you really want to see this team improve at before the playoffs get here? I think for me, when you talk about the situational stuff, I think that's huge for me. I, I want to see ball security, obviously. Going to get some cliche coach answers from me here. Got to take care of the ball. You got to force turnovers. You got to win the line of scrimmage. I want to see all that. I want to see the the excellent, the sharp, the crisp fundamentals. I want to see the fundamentals really shine through in this football game. Yeah, uh, I I'm not opposed to that. Uh, so the it's specifically third down offense. I guess you know before McCole Hardman, just going back to McCole Hardman's injury, right? The Chiefs were fifty percent conversion rate on third down, pretty much on the dot. Since the Titans game, which is the last game that McColl played in, the Chiefs have dropped down to 46%. Now, it's not a significant drop. I mean, we're talking maybe one less third down conversion you know, per game, but the Chiefs haven't played the strongest schedule at, after that point in time. They've had some, you know, some easier teams along the way, and they really haven't struggled to put up points. What they haven't done, though, they haven't touched 40 points. Before that, when the Chiefs are converting on third downs, they hit 40 points three times. Since it started the drop, you know, this back half of the year, they haven't hit 40 points once. And that's not like it's this end-all, be-all. It's not like it actually matters. It's just something that you, you can notice when you start looking through there. So I think getting better on third downs is going to matter. And you watch right now how the Chiefs are missing on third downs. Stuffed runs, inaccurate passes, drops. Like, it's just every, random pressures at which the offensive line and the quarterback don't seem to be on the same page to picking it up. Like, it seems to be a little bit of everything. There's not one specific thing leading to these failed third downs. So just better third down offense. I already think we talked about McCole Hardman helping the red zone offense. And I think that paired with the rise of Jarek Jet McKinnon, the absolute red, the, the 2022 red zone uh, fantasy football vulture of all time here is Jarek McKinnon as people went into the fantasy football playoffs. But like, I think they have answers for the red zone. I haven't seen the answers for third down yet. I've seen them figure out a way to push the ball vertically. No, they're not connecting, but they push the ball vertically and barely miss some wide open guys. I've seen the heavy personnel work. I've seen the intermediate passing game work. I've seen them run the ball down teams throats. I've seen them have success in the red zone. Yes, they've been good on third downs earlier this year, but I want to see it now in the latter half because it seems like it's been very up and down versus not the best defenses. So that's that's what I really want to see is just better situational football from a team that has usually been pretty good at it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, more maybe more of a correlation instead of causation sort of thing. But I do, I do. It's really interesting. But it makes sense though. Like it makes total sense that if you're not converting on third downs at a high rate. You're not going to score a whole lot of points, right? Uh, if you're facing third downs at a higher rate, you're not going to score a whole lot of points. Um, so it does make sense, I, I think. And I'm I'm curious to see how McCall Hardman does even add add to that. So, uh, Maddie, lastly, before before I let you go, maybe this is a bigger conversation to have, but I, I'm curious. This is week 18. We're heading into the playoffs. What do you need to see from this Chiefs team uh, to have some confidence going into the playoffs? 
I think I have plenty of okay I don't think there's anything about week 18 that can make me feel more or less confident about the Chiefs obviously a loss to the Raiders and then proceeding to lose the potential of a one seed or I guess at that point in time depends on what happens I don't know how they're going to sort out even the two seed at that point in time but like losing home field advantage the option to have a buy I think that would be the only thing that could make me lose confidence because that just makes their path harder as far as on the field though I don't know if doing anything to the Raiders is going to change my mind that much. I want to see them continue to build on a vertical passing game. I want to see the defensive line continue to rush the passer very well. But doing those things versus the Raiders, to me, doesn't equate to doing them versus the Bengals, versus the Bills, or the Chargers again. I don't see a great you know correlation between doing it than those two different opponents. So I don't know if the on-field product, as much as the result, is going to change my confidence level for much about this team. You know, come out of this game, look good on third downs, don't have any turnovers, and just look like the clearly better team. Then, yeah, I feel I feel good. I feel good about that that outcome coming out of this game. You get probably the one seed. You look good on your last game, and you feel like you have blocks to build on, even though the Raiders are a team that's going to be picking in the top ten ish. Yeah, um, they don't have a first round pick. I don't think this year with the uh, Devontae. Adams they don't. Trade. So um, <laughs> tough, tough break for them. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I do want to talk about before we go um, about kind of what the NFL is trying to decide. As the time of recording this podcast on, on Thursday, they don't have they haven't made a decision yet. And this was from Adam Schefter. Uh, around one o'clock on on Wednesday. He said NFL exec Jeff Miller said discussions about what to do with the Bills-Bengals game are ongoing. Uh, He knows they have to make a decision on it in the coming days, but NFL executive Troy Vincent explains that the league's focus has been on DeMar Hamlin as it should, Um, but they do have to make a decision pretty soon on what they're going to do. Uh, They've already decided that the Week 18 games will go on as planned. That means both Buffalo and Cincy will be playing. Uh, this weekend, so they've got to figure out what to do with the, with the uh, Buffalo Cincy game. And Maddie, there's been some proposals on what the league can do. Some, I, I don't know if there's been uh, official proposals, but some some thoughts on what the league can do. Yeah, so it sounds like you know Adam Schefter was on ESPN talking about some possibilities. And like, first of all, I, it sounds like the Bengals Bills game is not going to be continued, replayed, or anything like that. Nothing official, yeah. but it just sounds like that's the way we're trending. 
we are going to have answers before the Saturday Saturday games kick off, before the Raiders-Chiefs kick off on Saturday. It seems to be kind of like the final wall to make this decision by. Adam Schefter gets on ESPN. He comes up, and essentially, this is not him saying that it's going to be one of these two things, but just part of the discussion right now has been the one seed is either going to be decide or the team that has the one seed. If the Chiefs win, it would be the Chiefs are deciding between getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs or getting the bye week going into the wild card week into the playoffs. Another option thrown around is essentially just the AFC championship game is played at a neutral site rather than at a home field. So it would still be again, Chiefs win. They're the one seed. They have a bye. Instead of having a home game in Kansas City in the AFC championship game, they would pick a neutral site. A lot of people are speculating Indianapolis, maybe Tennessee, because it's roughly halfway in between both teams. All speculation, but those are two things that Adam Schefter got on ESPN and talked about. Do you have a preference from either one of those two as settling the one seed? Uh, we, we talked about this briefly before the show started. I, I think the idea of of let, have, letting the number one seed choose one or the other and having the two seed get that in the situation is... Uh, there's listen i want to start i want to preface this by saying that i don't think there's a right way to do this and i don't know if there's like uh, a correct way to do this because it all is very unprecedented very weird situation and of course all thoughts are still our thoughts and prayers to demar hamlin in this whole situation uh, but i think when you when you the the neutral site makes sense um it all i think it also makes sense not to resume uh, that game just because of the circumstance uh, it's it's a tough. I don't think there's a right decision. I don't think that there is going to be a correct decision. Uh, the neutral side AFC AFC game is AFC championship game is, is interesting. I don't know why my first thought was MetLife Stadium is where they're going to be playing that. Uh, I don't know why that that was the first instant. And then you said Indianapolis. I was like, oh yeah, that works probably a little bit better, and it's a dome, and that would probably be be a little bit better. But imagine and remember the they played it. aren't in the playoffs, so that probably helps. <laughs> The Jets aren't going to be in the play. Well, I guess the Giants are. Mm, I forgot <laughs> the Giants. I forgot the NFC existed for a minute. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I do that. So for me, I think a neutral site AFC championship game, I, I get why it works. I don't like it, though. I don't think I like the neutral site game. Like, I get the concept. I get what they're going for. I just don't. I don't know if I like it because then it feels like. There's no way to make this fair, no matter what. But if you right. are, in fact, if everybody was out, if the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs went out, and there's no way to make this fair, but the Chiefs get the one seed, they get a bye, you're the Bills, you now have the two seed without ever getting a chance to win back or maintain the one seed you had going into week 16, right? You just don't get that mm -hmm. chance. So for your all, like your reward as getting to go to Indianapolis instead of Kansas City to play a football game, like that's all you get is, you know, yeah, we get to go to a neutral site instead. Like, I get it. It kind of makes sense. I just don't like the concept. And then you take away ticket sales revenue from both teams because it's yeah. not going to be in someone's hometown. There's going to be people that live in Indianapolis and be like, hey, I want to go watch this game. And not that that should matter, but you're also going to be taking tickets away from fans of the two teams actually involved. So I don't know if I love that idea. I think the decision between having to decide home field advantage or a bye week, it, it's actually pretty good. Like, it's still going to create some unfairness. Like, I still think you have mm -hmm. to figure out what do you do between the two and three seed. That's a bigger question to me is, do you, what the Bengals just have to say, oh, we didn't get a chance to beat the Bills, so we have to be the three seed and go to Buffalo to play? Like, is that just ultimately what they decide? No one's talking about the two to three seed yet. It's all about the one seed, and I get why, but had the Bengals and Bills played, 
the Bengals very much would have been in position to take the two seed from Buffalo. Again, assuming everybody wins. So it's just, I think there's a lot more moving parts than even just the one seed. I do think the decision though, home field advantage or a bye week is incredibly interesting. And that's very outside the box for the NFL. It is very outside the box. Um, I I know that they talked about, Matt Hamilton was talking about this on the breakdown where they were talking about having the NFC play the first week and then having the, then replaying the Buffalo game in that same week and then pushing back the AFC. Both scenarios that the AFC or that the NFL was talking about, even one of moving the playoffs a week back, get rid of the Pro Bowl. And they're trying something new with the Pro Bowl this year. And I don't know if the NFL would do that. Should they do that? Yes. They should just get rid of the Pro Bowl too altogether. Too much money. Um, there, But there is. You are right. There's too much money there. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to cancel that. Um, so that is interesting. I do I do think that the choice is is, uh, is enticing. And you're right. There's no fair way to do this. There really isn't. There's not a fair way to do it. And that's what stinks. I think that's what... That's what uh, that's tough about this whole this whole situation is that you're trying to make it as fair as possible, but it's not going to be. And Maddie, if you had to make the choice, bye week. I'm taking the bye, bye week. week. Not even it's not even close. It's not it's not a decision. Like I get why the NFL would have to like position it as like, hey, you have the option for either one. It's not a choice. No one's no one's choosing home field advantage just for like the most simple way I can put it is uh there's still a good chance that you're not going to be playing on the road if you don't choose to have the home field advantage, right? Like. Yeah. The Bills will have to win two games to even get to play that third game at home. Why would you ever choose that over playing less games, playing one less game? Like you just get a bye. I don't know. This is, the bye week's an easy choice. I think the only thing that would say, hey, take the home field advantage is money. If the Raiders, we mm-hmm. just talked about how the Raiders had no money. If the Raiders <laughs> were in the playoffs in this situation, yeah, they might want home field advantage. They might want that, to rake in that extra cash. But the Chiefs are trying to win a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is a lot easier to win with the bye week than it is, you know, one single game that might be on the road or might not still like bye week. I'm with you. That's Matt Lane, one third of the KC Laboratory, who you'll get to hear tonight live to preview the Chiefs matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders. They'll be live at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, make sure you check that out here on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. We're going live all places. So, Matt, I appreciate you joining me, uh, hopping on uh, this week's, uh, today's episode of KCS and Update. Well, thank you for having me, bud. I enjoyed it. That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure uh, to follow us wherever you're listening to the audio plot platform uh, on a, whatever audio platform. Leave us a five-star rating interview on those platforms that do allow you to do that. Uh, we appreciate everyone who does that. Those really do help us out. And uh, make sure to... Stay tuned in here at KC Sports Network because we got a lot of stuff coming for you with the playoffs just around the corner. Listen, Shrine Bowl's coming up too. We're about to make a trip uh, to Vegas here, and boy, soon. So it's going to come up real quick. Uh, so excited for that. So make sure you guys are following us on socials at KC Sports Network. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening all the way to this podcast. Tomorrow, BJ will be with uh, Trevor Sycamore. They're going to get his three key matchups leading into this game. So until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. 
Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.